Blog Talk Radio. Screw it. Gary Carter, Hall of Famer and former Mets legend. Two and a half million people that were on Broadway cheering for us and celebrating along with us. That's something that was one of the most exhilarating moments in my my life, in my career. Former Mets pitcher, World Series champion Gary Gentry. You don't think about the World Series, you're there. As long as we're here, we might as well win, right? Gary Kuzman. And you watch two, three years down the line, everybody's pitching that way. It doesn't make it right. Nolan Ryan. When you get traded, I think it's that time. It's disappointing that you feel like mainly the organization that you came up with and you really feel a commitment and ownership to them, you probably get your feelings hurt a little. Chris Benson, I was a big student of the game and studied hitters and video. We're joined by Hall of Fame pitcher Phil Necro. Charlie Huff joining us. Rick Peterson joins us. I just want to act like a big market team in New York City. I don't need a $140 million payroll just to say we have it. I'm Matt Faz this morning. I'm joined by Dave Singer. Well, here's something funny. So last night, I, you know, because I'm in D.C., I get the Nationals uh, broadcast, and they were raving about Christine is hitting. No. You know, <laughs> Gene Anthony. When he had Wheeler the first yeah. game, 114 pitches, freaked me out. I don't know if Dusty Baker called him and said, hey, you want to ruin your pitching staff? Because um, I, I got a great plan. We had fire and wood, and I, and I virtually just killed him. Stephen Keene from Crane Pool Society. Come on. We're not, you know, I know the ownership thinks we're idiots. Now you're going to think we're idiots, and then you want to know what people can't stand. Nick Kalidas, what I want them to do is clear the whole outfield out. Just let it be, just be Duda. I want to see Duda in the center, but like ultra center, where he's just playing all three positions. And let him lead off. I want to see as much Duda as I possibly can. Oh, yeah. Feel it. Feel it, guys. Preach. Yeah. My hair looks great. <laughs> My hair looks so good today. Whose hair looks good today? Having a great hair day, thanks to Soul Glow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gene, how's your hair this morning? It's, it's, it's nice and shiny. Mahita's back. His hair is shiny. Yeah. Oh, God, help us. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop singing. Uh, hey, everybody. How are you doing? Howdy. What's up? Hmm. So um, so we have a, a bit of a novelty, don't we? we? We have meaningful games in July. That hasn't happened in a few years. You know? <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not only that. We could uh, say we're one of the better teams in the National League. <laughs> <laughs> At least half of the team is. Yeah. Yeah, who's better? There's not many teams better than we are. Maybe two or three. That and and one of the Dodgers, we beat them. We beat the the champion Giants. We're not See, we're not that bad. We can't hit for shit, but we're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's always what I what I kind of go for in my life to to not be that bad. That, that that's, <laughs> that's that's my apex, right? <laughs> uh, you know what? Let me actually. We're right there. We're right in the middle of this. Yeah, you know, that's, um, we're actually, we're right in, we're on the bottom of payroll, right in the middle of the race, and that's, you know, that is just, that's good stuff. Uh, Steve, let me ask you something right, right off the bat. Um, 
because I guess from all of us, you have a, a greater memory of those early, those early teams, um, or because early he was net alive teams back then. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole living, breathing, heart beating thing. <laughs> uh, um, how, you just called your old team. Uh, I am. Experience, yeah. man. Experience. Experience. Season. I'm planning my I'm planning my retirement. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <I'm, yeah. laughs> How does this feel like those those teams from the early seventies? Is it kind of the same thing? Like how helpless did did the fan base feel with the offense back then? I mean, did it? I mean, because I, I know obviously they rallied around certain players and they seemed to be more accepting. Was there the same kind of um, uh, outpouring of just frustration back then? You know, the, the frustration started a little later in the 70s. After winning in 69, it was like they were no more lovable losers. Now they were a winning team, and we wanted to see more winning. And the problem you had is that when, when Hodges died, I mean, everybody was like, well, now what? And I think that they got leeway out of that until they won in 73. And 73, you know, they not only was there no hitting, they were they just weren't playing good. And they started to rally. And but right after 73 is when the, the decline of the franchise was when Mrs. Payson died and, and Grant took over. And that's when everything fell apart. But you had more, the offense back then had more veteran guys guys who've been around and I mean they weren't they they were never an offensive juggernaut but they had they had the great pitching like we have now but the other thing that they had which we don't have now is we had exceptional defense so even if you scored two or three if you scored three runs the Mets scored three runs in a game they were going to win at least 60 percent of those games because I mean they, you were throwing the quality pitchers just like you are now you were throwing a quality pitcher out there every day but Buzz, they had veteran guys, and, and the defense—the defense was key. They, they, I mean, you had guys, the infield, Mian Me, and Harrelson. That was an excellent uh, middle of the infield. Yeah, but Brody the team, was probably the, the best defensive catcher. You know, but they the had team essentially though, was, the, was the same though, it's, at least for their results, because we, I mean, really the team was barely—if if they were 500, it was barely 500. Every year after '69, leading up to '76, I mean, they all were they all over 500, maybe twice. It was the same kind of, at least from from the aesthetics of it, it looks the same as what we have right now, where it's just the pitching is so amazingly good that a, that a bottom level team is able to to hit 500 occasionally because of it. And I mean, again, I, from not experiencing it firsthand, I mean, I don't know if the same pressure was put on ownership, but what was the outlook back then? Like, in other words, toward ownership, because everyone seems to really love uh, Mrs. Payson, and that, the, and yeah. I guess because of the title and because of bringing right. Willie Mays over here, but she never she never really brought in any stars. And I know there wasn't free agency, but they never developed. What? They kind of wasted all that pitching all those years. What, what, one quick point, one quick point yeah. of order. The Mets were over 500 every year yeah. except for one from right. 19... 19- 69 to 1976. Only in 72 were they below 500. I just want to clarify that. That's that year with Hodges, yeah, they, too. <laughs> just ironic, you know. They were a winning team. I mean, they were yeah. winning games. Back then, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a little tougher. You had to win the division. There was no wild card. And, you know, the, the, the Mets were always known as a team that developed pitching. And, you know, the, I mean, for hitting, 
they never really, really went out and and developed those guys. And it, it was just a different time. You couldn't just go out and grab players. You couldn't. You got this is before free agency too. So mm-hmm. if a if a team had a really good player, they had control of him. So they were. It wasn't like where they said, "Well, all right, this guy, you know, he's going to be he's going to be a free agent next year. He's going to ask for fifteen, twenty million dollars. We can't afford that. Let's trade him off now and get prospects." It's a whole different thing. But they did win. I mean, they were a good team. It wasn't until when 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 Hodges died, and then when first Mrs. Payson died, then Hodges, and then when Grant took over everything, that's when that's when the slide happened. That was when what, it was what just really what, what really happened. What really happened to those Mets teams was there was a series of just bad trades. They they yeah. actually had a good team for a long time, but you know you trade away Nolan Ryan, you trade away Ken Singleton. I mean, they were trading away guys, you know, Amos 22, 23 years old, that like Those they were two years yeah. away from being all stars. Right, know? right. So that really was. They just made some real shit trades. Yeah. Had they I mean, not traded those three, and there was one other guy that I hated that they traded, um, well, all well documented. I think that the Mets would have had a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, Johnny Murphy was not the greatest general manager in, in baseball history. Uh-huh. All this. All this development of young pitching and from the minor leagues was Whitey Herzog, who was running the minor league organization at the mm-hmm. time. So a lot of the credit goes to him for building those guys up. But Dave's, Dave's right. I mean, they gave, they traded away guys. like I mean, if Singleton would have stayed with the Mets, if Amos Otis would have stayed with the Mets, even a guy like Mike Jurgensen, who they traded, and he was pretty good for a couple of years. There was guys that they let go that, you know, they put in trades that just didn't work out. The Mets were terrible at making trades. You know, and it wasn't until you know until Frank Cashin took over with McIlvain mm-hmm. that they started to get pretty good at making deals, and you know, and, and that's kind of what what set them back as well. You know, um, and obviously we'll get off this topic <laughs> in mm-hmm. a second, but just the the way the team is right now, it's kind of uh, reminding me of of those those times. I mean, it's funny. I think the Reggie Jackson move is something that's not really talked about all that much, but I think that that is a huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, honestly, that that's a, that had a, an incredible impact on the '70s because that that one single move might have been the everything. Absolutely. Having that one bat. You can thank Red and Nolan Ryan on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> can you believe that? Well, you, can um, thank, you can thank you can thank M. Donald Grant for that. He wouldn't draft him because they they investigated Jackson and they saw that he had a white girlfriend and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're not getting him. That's fantastic. Yeah, he was busy looking for Cleon oh, Jones yeah. a lot, and <laughs> instead got that. Yeah, yeah. Terrible he embarrassed guy. Cleon Jones, you know. Mm-hmm. And listen, he he didn't he didn't just hate the black guys; he hated the white guys too. He hated Tom Seaver. When Tom Seaver had a membership at the Greenwich Country Club, Grant couldn't believe it. He goes, "How? He goes, How did you get in? How they let you in? <laughs> <laughs> you know." <laughs> uh, you know who I'm actually dying to have on here? Uh, I'm going to work on this a bit. Uh, Whitey Herzog. I, that's not, you know, no one, yeah, no one's ever really talked to him about the Mets all that much, and uh, I'd love I'd love to have him on with us and kind of go over some of what went down back then because I know that he eventually quit when he didn't get that job when uh, Hodges yeah. died and they gave it to Yogi Berra, and it's kind of a shame too if you really think about it. You know, we we met, we missed out on a great manager. And a great organization guy. Um, anyway, anyway, uh, taking a 
<laughs> a time machine back to now. Um, is is Cleon, is Cleon Jones still alive? I think he is, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Yes, Let's get is. Cleon on the show. Cleon is. Be you, he'd be a great guest. We yes. got to meet him at a bloggers' night, uh-huh. and I'm telling you, he was he was fantastic. He was he was great. We can have wait. Him no, on. no, forget yeah. about Cleon. Hey, you know who we should have on the show? Matt. <laughs> Read your hiatus, Matty Bass, ladies and gentlemen. Well, it is almost uh, Giants football season, so he might come back. <laughs> I've got He's our finger. David Wright. I found the finger here in Florida. Don't worry. Matt's our David Wright. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about Being it. It's all good. On the golf course, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's good. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll work on getting some um, some interesting guests uh, coming up. So let let me ask you guys something. Gene, I barely heard uh, much from you yet. Um, starting off, and really, I. I'm at a loss of kind of where to go with this because, um, I mean, I I don't want to harp on negativity. And the reality is what Steve said early in the, when we first started is accurate. I mean, we're only, what are we, two games out at this point. And Harvey, you know, is, you know, wobbling, but, but still enough of himself to kind of be great. And we lost Matt's for a couple of months, but, you know, you can visualize how that can kind of manifest itself into something an advantage in October, you know, I mean, where do you, where, first of all, where do you want to go with the overall discussion right now? And where are you um, from a, um, from a disgruntled um, point of view? Like, in other words, are you kind of frustrated with the lack of dominance and how easy it could be to get that team? Or are you kind of, have you kind of resigned yourself to that and are are more enjoying, um, the uh, the ride right now. Well, well, before answering that real quick, that that point that you guys were just talking about with the you know feeling in the seventies and, and feeling now, you know that back in the day as a fan, when you won the World Series, it, it was like the lottery, and that would take you. I mean, beyond dynasty teams, but that would especially for the Mets fans, that would take you for a long time. And there were only two teams, you know, Steve's just talking about two teams that made the playoffs. So. Now with five teams, and everybody feels that they should be in the playoffs. And it's a different mindset for the fan. I remember even in the 80s, you know, as long as the team was playing halfway decent, you you, you wanted them to win, but you knew kind of early if they were going to win or not. And, you know, 86 was, was the classic example. So I think that from a fan's perspective, you're just the expectation with more teams making the playoffs is every team should make it. And you, everybody has a chance. But beyond that um, – I'm frustrated because as an outsider looking at this team, people would think that Sandy's plan is working. Like, see, we didn't trade those pitchers, and some of them are getting hurt, and we needed them. And, look, we're still hanging in there. And that makes me nervous because this can go away real quick. And so two weeks, a week and a half ago, this team was headed in a really bad direction. They kind of pulled it together with the West Coast trip and what they've done at home with Arizona. But this is still the same team that we're all nervous about. And it is, and I am frustrated because it looks like, and, and Sandy's mocking of the fan base is, is making, is turning me off. 
uh, and I've been probably the biggest supporter of him on the podcast, but I'm a little I'm a little pissed off at at the current state of affairs because it makes it look like his plan is working, and I don't know that his plan this was really his plan, and I'm nervous about his ability to make a deal. That being said, I was the guy that said trade Noah before the season, and I couldn't have been more wrong than that. Um, but I am a little pissed off right now. Okay, let's let's take that around the horn because because you know I, I'm I, I mean I really want to be optimistic. I, I that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that you people might get a different sense when they listen to these podcasts and I'm constantly whining, but um, I'm I'm always searching for something positive. Um, Dave, Dave, where because you're always positive about stuff, or, or it, it takes a lot to get you to start um, thinking negatively. What Where's your head right now? Are you happy with this? Are you indifferent? Yeah, I, I'm generally pleased. Um, you know, the frustrations really are, are around two things. The the amount of folks that we've had on a disabled list, and, it, and it's been pretty extensive, you know, up and down all wow. season long. You know, injuries happen, but it just seems this year maybe it's a little more than, than usual. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, the lack of production from um, Kadire. And Granderson, you know, again, it's just and, – and now even Duda and Ligaris has really, really struggled offensively. Uh, I thought, you know, bringing in a new hitting coach and mm-hmm. having Kadire, who, who I thought at the least would be, you know, a 280, 290 guy with good gap power, I thought the lineup would be a lot healthier. And then, you know, but Darno and Wright being out, that's two of your probably three best hitters on the team. Uh, and that's just really decimated the offense. So to be where we are, I think we're, what, a game out of the wild card, two games out of the lead. At this mm-hmm. point in the season, you know, you got to tip your hat to the pitching staff for carrying them, and we have a chance. We have a chance to get a little healthy, get a little hotter, and I do think some move will happen. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess on a one-to-five happiness scale, I'm like a three-and-a-half, you know. <laughs> so uh, I'm okay with it. We're, 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 in, we're in a good spot. Well, let me ping-pong this right back to you for a second, all right? Um, so let's say some deal does happen, all right? As far as I'm concerned, and, you know, we can always discuss players um, who would be a great fit, but realistically, it's hard to find a better and more obvious fit than Upton because <laughs> we, we need a number four hitter. We have no outfielders, even though they claim that we do. Um He's a guy that we would theoretically sign to a great contract in the off season, and there's your there's your middle of the order hitter. Then you can sprinkle you know salt and pepper on the team, and you're done basically. Yeah. Um, we have the ability to get him. We probably have enough prospects to not even touch the, the pitching staff to get him, um, but we probably won't get him. All right. <laughs> so, um, are you going to be happy if the additions to this team are? Forget about even Zobrist. What, what if it's what if it's just something small? What if we end up with Marlon Bird back or something like that? Are you going to be satisfied, or is it uh, is it going to linger with you if Upton goes someplace else and you look at what they got back for him and you realize that we could have easily matched it? Yeah, yeah. No, that's the conundrum. You know, the problem is at least from what I've been reading, and Steve's probably a little closer to it than I am. It mm-hmm. seems like they're holding the Mets a little more hostage than some of the other teams in far, as far as what they want to get back. And maybe that's a, somewhat of a factor of, of me 
highly valuing our talent. Um, but when I hear, you know, some of the starters' names being bandied about for Upton, I'm like, ah, nope, I'll wait the year and do free agency. Now, if it's some package of, you know, Dylan G and Leather Sitch or something, you know, <laughs> let's, let's go. You know, it's go time, and I will be. But uh, I don't know. It's That's a tough one for me. I won't be bitter one way or the other. I do want to upgrade the offense, but not at the expense of, uh, of you know, like a Nolan Ryan kind of deal, right? So mm-hmm. that's where I am. Steve, what do you, what do you, where is your head right now? And, um, yeah, just kind of just go, go along with, um, with, uh, what we've been talking about. Where, where, where are you right now? Well, I'm at the point where as long as we have this pitching and Mm -hmm. we're forgetting about the bullpen too, with Mejia coming back is now been, it's now a strength and we're still in this thing. You know, to get a Justin Upton, it would it, it shouldn't cost us any players. It should be that the owner says, mm-hmm. "How much? What's he owed? He's owed about seven seven million dollars for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Go get him. Tell him we'll pay it. And you know, like you say, send him Jack Leatherstitch and another guy, and we'll take Justin Upton. We'll throw him in here, and we'll tell him, listen, after the year, we'll talk about if you know a contract. But right now, let's concentrate on winning. And if you get a chance, go on the Wall Street Journal website and read Brian Costa's piece because this he he hit it right on the head about the Wilpons. It's awesome. I read it too. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. They they definitely want to win, but they want to win with what they have. They don't want to add anything to it, Ugh. and that's the problem we have here. I always say like about Tula Whiskey. If you wanted Tula Whiskey here, he'd be here today. All you have to do is tell Colorado, listen, we'll take the rest of the contract. What is it? A hundred million dollars? We'll take mm-hmm. it. And they send them. They put them on a plane and send them here in, in, in a heartbeat. But the ownership, and you know, between reading that and what Howard McDowell always tells me is, that, you know, the, the things we have to w- w- look at with the Mets is this ownership is either is paying down debt on the stadium, on the team, and on that TV station, and whatever money is left goes to the team. And Uncle Saul will never let any money go from Sterling Equities, which is making billions. He will not take any money out of that out of that real estate to put into this team. We, we've heard the rumors how he keeps telling Fred, sell this team, get rid of it. You can get $2, million, $2 billion plus for this. Get rid of it. And, you know, Fred wants to keep it. That's the only thing that bothers me is, uh, you know, there, there are guys out there. And the thing is, we always kept, we said we need, a, we need the infield. The infield right now is set. We still need a shortstop because Tejada, is, we all know, he's just not an everyday guy. We do need a shortstop. But we also need an outfielder because Michael Kadaya is done. And he needs to understand, too. And this is where you need a general manager to go to a guy and say, listen, we're going out and we're going to get a, we're getting a left fielder and you're going to be a bench guy. Now, if you have trouble with that, well, then we're going to have to let you go. Otherwise, stay here and help us win. And then we'll worry about next year after the season. But right now, in order for us to get to where we want to be, i got to bring in a power bat and I can get one. And you're going to fill in. You're going to be an outfielder. You're going to play a little first base. You're going to come off the bench. And it's going to help your knee because your knee is killing you. And that's how you got to tell it. You know, you got to, they got to be, tell these guys. They, I don't know if it's stressed enough about winning, about what we got. And they don't show it. They talk it, but they don't show it. I want to see it. I want to see some kind of a move made. And I think that a lot of times Alderson's hands are tied by the ownership because I think whatever he sends out, if he's going to make a trade, Whatever you're sending out, whatever you're bringing back in salary, you're going to have to send out in the trade. And I think that this, that's kind of hard to do with this team because you don't want – I don't want any – I don't see any of these young pitchers going anywhere. 
<laughs> These guys nor, need to stay here. <laughs> nor should they. I mean, oh. and you see how how fragile they are too. So when we get Wheeler back, I mean, over the next couple of years when we when we control them, I mean, how many how many months are we going to get with the entire five of them starting at the same time? It's probably going to be rare. I mean, it's, and I mean, it, the but the fact that we would have four of them going at once, I mean, that's that's unprecedented. I don't even know if there's ever been a staff that's had something like that, let alone five. I mean, that's just wild. And I mean, and, it's, and it's, still it's, have and still have a quality starting pitcher, a better starting pitcher than most teams have started every game. Dude, an ace every game, an yeah. ace every well, game is possible next year. And where you're going to see it is when. Your four and five, Syndergaard and Mats, are going up against other teams four and five yeah. that are horrible, and they're just going to be blowing right past them. And that's that's where it's going to be amazing is, is just watching you know the one and twos match up, but then the fours and fives and the threes are just going to dominate. Well, Wheelers are going to be our fifth starter. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, really yeah. is. And I will say this, and it's, it's interesting. Um, and th- I guess this is a positive thing. Oh, I know it is. So when we looked at this uh, West Coast trip, and everybody was talking about, well, we're going to face uh, Kershaw and all these 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 guys, and God, we're going to the team's going to come back, and we're going to be four games under 500. And the funny thing is, is the one thing that nobody really took into consideration is the guys that we had going against these pitchers basically negated them. So we were going up against better teams, better offenses, and whatever else, but. The um, differential between us and them, if you remove the pitcher, is basically it's it's not so um, unlikely that we'd win just by by chance. You know, if if they're twenty percent better, we still have a forty percent chance to win the game. So people are focusing on the on the pitchers, but we, I mean, I guess now that Matt's is hurt, we can't quite say this, but basically every single night we can match whoever you've got. Uh, it's amazing. That, that That's something that's so rare, and it goes back to that same thought process of, of you know, being a New York fan base and um, watching this team for so many years. Can is it? Can you enjoy it? Uh, Gene, can you enjoy this if, um, yeah. if they don't supplement <laughs> the team? That's the thing. Like, I, like if, if, we're, if we're going and, and we're going to have this little mini version of the early 70s where we're always three games over 500 and with, with multiple aces and the ownership just basically sits on it until everybody leaves. I, I, I will enjoy it. I would rather, um, you know, some offense be brought in. That's the duh, you know, like duh. But, <laughs> um, I, but. That being said, one thing that's kind of missing here is mm-hmm. when you watch this team, and especially the young pitchers, and just watch the dugout. I mean, the, the 80s were mm-hmm. great when the Mets were winning to watch the dugout. Everybody was just having fun, kicking ass. T- when you watch this dugout now, you don't see long faces. You don't see, oh, man, we're not scoring. The fans are doing it, but the players are having fun. And you know, it doesn't mean that they're all running around, but you can watch them. They like playing together. They're not taking on this woe is me because it all starts with pitching. So those young pitchers, and then these guys hitting too, these pitchers that are hitting, it's like they're basically saying this is our team. And it is. If you look at every position player, there's not one position player where you would say it's his team. It's all the pitchers. This is the, the pitcher's team. So, and and you'll see and we're seeing it with them hitting. So that makes me want to watch. That makes me excited. 
if I was out of the country for five days and you called me when Matt was here and said, we pitched a perfect game, my next question would be who? Because <laughs> there's four guys on this team that legitimately could do it. And that's that. if you can't get excited about that, then you don't understand baseball. I will say something, and, and uh, let me just ping this right back to you real quick. Um, you know, when we um, think about that the team of the 80s, right, um, and you visualize the dugout, you know, just kind of like picture it in your head. You see Strawberry, you see Carter, you see Gooden, you see Darling, you know, you see your guys, you know. And, and the funny thing is you kind of notice the players that are making an impact, the ones that are larger than life. Um, and it's spread out, hitters, pitchers. I mean, there's a variety, um, um, and that what's, that's what makes a great team. Even the 69 team, and I, I understand that they're kind of legendary, um, so you remember the faces, but even the 73 team, 72 team, you kind of know those faces. And it's almost, and this is my, what I'm seeing right now, so I'm curious to, to know if you see the same thing. Whenever I look in the dugout, you're right, I see them celebrating, I see them having a good time, but all I see is the pitchers. I see nobody else in that dugout. I don't notice anybody. I don't even notice Terry Collins. All I notice is is Degrom and Harvey and 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 Four and and it's as though the rest of the team doesn't exist. And it's almost like these fill-in generic players. It's like a whole team of Joel Youngbloods <laughs> and then Seaver, <laughs> Kuzman. Do you? I mean, is is that illusion just kind of? happening to me or do you kind of see the same thing where you're not, you're, you're not really visualizing new heights having fun you're just seeing the pitchers well that goes back to them this is their team so right. they're the ones that are i mean they're so much they're the biggest part of, of what's happening so the rest of the guys are just filling in but what you don't see is guys sulking you don't see you know even due to you know he's not happy with the way he's hitting and but you know, Flores moving him around a little bit. Those guys are still happy, and and but not as big as the pitchers because the pitching is just so so damn dominant. I mean, and that's the other thing is when you go into other parks, yeah, they might have a better team, but they're all shitting knowing what they're facing. Now, this is probably going to blow up on my face today, but look at uh, Arizona's first baseman today, the best hitter yeah. in the National League. Hasn't done any – now, it's only two games, but look at the outs he's making – Double plays and strikeouts. Guy's hitting 350. This is the best hitter in the National League, and he's getting his ass kicked. <laughs> it go, it's how it has to be going around the league. That that's a that's an excellent point, Gene. Because even Keith Hernandez said yesterday during the game that he was talking to Tom Candiotti and and to uh, uh, um, uh, Gonzalez, who they do the radio for the Diamondbacks, and they told him they said we've never seen Goldschmidt. Looked as bad at the plate since he's been a Diamondback. He said, "This guy, he's up there. He doesn't know what's coming. He doesn't. He, at whatever is coming, he can't hit it. It's like he's he's. This could mess him up for most of the second half because the guy. I mean, like you say, you know, you look at his numbers and you're like, this guy's one of the better players in baseball, and he just looks lost at the plate with with our pitching. And you know, to get back what you know you were saying, Nick, you know about these pitches. It's true. Whenever you they show the dugout." It's mostly all the pitchers who are on that top step. It's you know, mm-hmm. and the thing is, all these pitchers came up together. They've been together since they were brought into the organization, 
And they all know each other. They've all played with each other. They've rode buses together. There's a camaraderie with, with them. And it's not even, you know, and, it's, and even with like a guy like Newen Heist, when Newen Heist was brought back, these guys were all happy he was back because they, they've played with him. They know him. It's like when Matt has his big day, you know, his, his, his debut, he not only does he pitch great, the guy's knocking in runs, and he has the bat with him, and he says, I want to thank Matt Reynolds, my buddy Matty Reynolds, giving me his bat when I left. He told me, take this bat with you, you're going to need it in the big leagues. And his bat brought me the, the luck. I mean, this is what you have with these guys. They and who does he have come out to him to Long Island but DeGrom? You know, brings DeGrom right out to his family. Yeah. I mean, these guys are really together. They, Like you say, there's no sulking. They lose a the game. All right, and... You know, we get on Terry Collins, but Collins says it after every game. He goes, no, these guys are mad. They don't want to lose because these young guys are not used to losing. They've won throughout the minor leagues. They've, they've had played on winning teams. They don't want to be up here. They don't want to be known as a losing. They want to be known as the guys who, who resurrected the franchise. And, you, you, know, you, you know, you look at a guy like DeGrom, he's not demonstrative or anything, but that guy, that's a bulldog. That guy, when he's on that mound... Now you're seeing it from from Syndergaard too. Mm-hmm. It's starting to rub off. And you know, watching Syndergaard the other night, I'm like, and then you got Harvey yesterday, and Harvey, you know, I don't understand this. You know, with these newspapers putting all this stuff on the front pages about Matt Harvey, I don't know what you want from this guy. This that, that game yesterday was so good. I enjoyed that game so much because he had so much trouble locating the breaking ball and commanding that pitch that he was like, you know what? Let me just go with this fastball for a while. Let me hit corners and see what I can do. And the guy dominated with just with the fastball. Then towards the left, and he was his pitch count was going up there. There was he didn't panic. He, he sat back there. He figured out what he had to do. He started getting some command of that breaking ball, and he just dominated the rest of that game from the second from the third inning on. And I, you know it was just great watching that. I'm watching this Palicki behind the plate, and I think when Darno comes back. Get him an outfielder's glove. Let's put him in the outfield because I think Pollicki's got to stay behind the plate. I think, you know, maybe he's not hitting great. He's been hitting a little bit more late. But that guy behind the plate, him and, and these pitchers are starting to mesh. They're coming because he's caught these guys in double-A and triple-A and some in A-ball, and now he's up here. He's getting comfortable being here. I, even when Darnell comes back, you can't send this kid back down. He's got to stay. And I think you've got to start telling Darnell, listen, Either get a first baseman's glove or get an outfielder's glove. Because you behind the plate, it's you know, you get hurt too much. I know it's freak stuff, but you know what? We need your bat. So I got a guy who can receive. I got a good catcher behind the plate. I got a, we're not gonna lose nothing behind the plate and we might you know, he might he'll give us like maybe he'll hit two fifty, two sixty, he'll be you know, a a decent hitting major league but you gotta go to the outfield because uh, you know, we gotta keep both you guys and I gotta find a way. So you know what? You may become the left fielder when you come back. I mean, you really think that's a good idea in the middle of the year to throw him out there? Well, I don't know if I don't know if he's ever played out there before. I don't know if this is a Todd Hundley situation or a Dave, you know, Daniel Murphy situation. I don't know. But maybe for the rest of the year, you leave him behind the plate with Palicki, and you know, Palicki gets a couple games a week just to get himself going. I mean, even if if Palicki give him the first baseman's glove, the Giants do it with Buster Posey. When Buster Posey yeah, gets his day off, he goes to first base. Steve, Ploiecki's on base percentage is two thirty seven. His slugging is three twenty four. I understand that. I mean, but it's like listen, Darno. I know. Darno is listen, three times a hitter and a better catcher. That's why I want to keep him in the lineup. 
but I like the way Palicki takes care of this pitching staff. And I know his, his on-base percentage is terrible. This is his first time up in the major leagues. It's not, I, don't, I, I don't think he's going to be – I don't think he's going to have a 270, 280 on-base percentage for his career. I mean, a lot of these guys, these are guys who if, – if Darno doesn't get hurt, Palicki doesn't come up here at all. He's still down in Las Vegas. Now that he's here, I, don't see, I cannot see sending him down and bringing up this wrecker who's horrible. I, and Johnny, I'd rather have Johnny Monell if you could keep three catchers. But if, if, if the choice is I've got to send Paul Lickie down and bring up Anthony Paul Lickie, and I'm finding a way to get him in that lineup a couple I of think, I think you're ascribing the success of the pitchers to Ploiecki. And I think the success of the pitchers is because of the pitchers. I think you pretty much throw anybody back there. I mean, no, I no, I I I don't no. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight you on that one because they have. You saw it when with Steve Carlton and Tim McCarver. Steve Carlton wouldn't throw to anybody but Tim McCarver. Bob Gibson wouldn't throw to anybody but uh, uh, Tim McCarver. You've seen it with the Yankees when AJ Burnett would not want to throw to Posada. None of the guys have mentioned they want a caddy, though. None of these pitchers have mentioned they want a caddy. They're no, they just don't, young they're pitchers that are just throwing strikes. Darnell's good, caddy, though. This, he's he, he's a good defensive good. catcher. He just gets hurt a lot. I mean, that's the main issue I, there. I'm not I'm not bringing down Darnell. My part my part with Darnell is he gets injured a lot, and he and behind that plate, if you put him maybe if he could move him a little bit. Even if you put, put, play both guys, I, I, Palicki, to me right now, is a major part. I think the way he catches, the way he handles, I mean, the, you guys are underestimating what the catcher does with a pitching staff. This guy has caught these guys all the way up. They've come up together, and I think they're very comfortable right now pitching with Palicki as their catcher. And, and you see it when he – I mean, for him to come out and go to Harvey and tell him what has to be done – that that's a lot to me. That, that 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 guy raised a lot in my book when I saw it. Because most guys wouldn't want a, a young rookie, a guy just here. He wouldn't want to approach a guy like Hog. He's out there telling him, "Look, this isn't working. Stop. Let's let's get to what's working. Get back in the dugout. Let's discuss what we got to do." And you see it when Paulicki comes in the dugout. And I love this too. He goes right to Dan Worthen and him go right there. They stand there and they talk about what's going on. I mean. Do not underestimate what the catcher means to the pitching staff. Well, I don't think anybody here really is. I mean, the th- thing is, I don't think – I mean, I'm not saying Palicki is doing a, a bad job. I think he's doing a wonderful job behind the plate, I mean, from the results that, that he's getting. But, I mean, the, Darno is getting the same kind of results too. I mean, I think the issue is only injury risk and – that was the main thing. So you're not. I don't think you're losing anything when you put Darno back there. The only trouble is you're losing Darno. But do you, I don't have any confidence that he's going to stay healthy in the outfield. The outfielders get hurt too, constantly. You know, and he. Yeah, but he nobody's seems to running get hurt. in. You know, well, the thing is, but isn't that trying, once, like I'm, how many times does he get hurt I, like that? I mean, he just gets hurt just by like breathing and walking around. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> it's like I'm, every I'm two trying weeks. to find. I'm trying to find a way. Where I can get keep both these guys and add the offense. If if Adonis can go out and play a serviceable left field, and just catch the ball and will and still can hit what he hits, we're in great shape. Because I, I you know either guy behind the plate is fine. I have no problem. I like Adonis. I really do. I like the guy, 
But I like what I see in Policki, and I think they're going to have they're going to have to find a way how to institute both of these guys in, into this lineup because I think Policki will be fine. You got no, he's playing the toughest position on the field. This is you know you bring a guy up from the minor leagues, you tell him okay, not only do I need you to hit, but you got to work with the pitchers, you got to do this. That's a lot for somebody. That's a lot for a young guy. And I think he's handling it fantastic. Well, he handles himself like a major leaguer, like he's been here a while. And he, I look at that, and I look the way how he handles himself and how he's handled this staff since Darno was out. And I'm like, this guy, you know, he's got, he's really got it. So if there's a way I can keep both of these guys going, and even if, you know, even if I put Policky at first base, I'm pretty sure he's athletic enough to handle first base and give Duda a day off. So even if you can get him in three times, three games a week, that's fine. If you put Ploiecki at first base, the Mets would have by far the worst offensive first baseman in the entirety of baseball. I just don't understand this plan. He just can't hit. He has not proven he can hit at the major league level. He's He's only had – he's only – you're going to judge a guy over like 150, 160 at-bats. The guy, you know, he's he's hitting two. He's a two thirty hitter right but now. Steve, you're, 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 you've, you've anointed up. you've anointed him an everyday you've anointed him an everyday player that you want him behind the plate or in first base. You've got to have him in the lineup. Holy shit, the yeah. guy the guy's not hitting, and he and he wasn't uh, hitting that well in the minor leagues either. He's he's I'm a spray you. he's a spray hitter. You can tell me all you want. He's a spray. Let's look, look at the facts. He's a spray hitter with no power and a dubious eye. Yes, he's I'm, not I'm bad not behind saying, the dish. I'm, I'm not sticking him at first base. I'm not sticking him at first. I'd put anybody else out there. I'd put Tejada over him at first base. No, come on. The guy can't hit. <laughs> he's a slap He's a slap hitting catcher, judging, backup catcher. You want him to take over for Duda. I'm not saying to take over for him. If you put him there like once a week, if you get him into the lineup, if you can Based get him in what? there like at least three days a week. Why? Catching why, a couple why? Why do you need Pulecki I like in there? the way I I I like what I see from this kid. I like the way he takes he handles himself behind the plate. I think if you know, so why do you I'm not saying I'm just well, because this way he play Darno will play him to get both these guys into the game. I, I'm you know I'm just saying. Why do you, you need both tell, of them in the game? I mean, I understand your point that maybe you want him more behind the plate, but then now when he's not behind the plate, you want to put him in left field or in first base or something. The guy. What's he contributing there? <laughs> because if the guy can get some consistency at bats, because he's getting them now. And, you know, you talk about he's only – he's played off and on, off and on. And, again, like I say, you're bringing up a guy, a young guy from the minor leagues, you know, and now he's got to learn that pitching staff. And he's got to, you know, also he's got to hit. I think that, you know, I, I just like the way that this kid plays. I like what I see out of him. And I, you know, I, I want to see what happens when Darno comes back. I mean, if there are days you can put him at first base, then I would do it. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know why there's such a problem. <laughs> well, this, I, you know, watching this kid hit. I mean, the kid is. Well, he's, a, he's a. You know what though? We're, we are we are talking about 2015. So yeah, it's difficult to judge him based on on 150 at bats. But we we're we're talking about the next three months in a bubble. You know, we're not talking about next year or how he's going to be in his career. So, so regardless, I, I think at least regardless of what he projects to be, he is this hitter now at this moment. So, to get him in, to move him to first base or anywhere else to me 
negates the the strength that you're even you're even talking about because the only strength he has right now at the major league level is how he performs behind the plate. I mean, again, well, future is the future. The, last, the next three months. The last month he's had yeah. to play the last month, right? So okay. he hit two seventy five for the last okay. month. So I mean, I don't know where no, you know you no, make this guy no, up to didn't. be like. I'm, I'm looking at the stats right here. He batted. He, I'm looking at. He batted, he batted 262 in June, and he's batting 250 in July. His last 28 yeah, here's, days. Here's the deal. Here, let me chime in real quick. You know, remember Molina when he came up? Molina, I nobody. If you did the same scrutiny to Molina's hitting, you would have thrown him out of baseball because he wasn't even Gold Glove Molina yet, and. His hitting now is vastly different, and I, I think Pilecki calls a better game. I really, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to get rid of Darno, and Pilecki has played first base. I, give him a full season to see how he hits, but he's on a shit hitting team now, <laughs> with no protection, no, no nothing. I mean, it's his first season. He's got a lot going on. I think he calls a great game. He throws well, huh? and he stays in the lineup. And I don't think Steve's saying bench Darno for Pilecki. Nope. That's not what I'm saying. Well, I this kid I, could spell them. You know what? I, I think that that we are all on the same page, and as far as understanding each other, I'm, I think the issue basically is when if you're going to move uh, Darno, I mean, you're going to make the kid uncomfortable. Obviously, um, just it's fact of life, and and his strength is the bat, obviously, but he also I'm can. Saying, do, I'm not saying to move Darno. I'm to saying a position. I mean. What like else you, you could, could you do? Yeah. Well, you could you could see if he can play some outfield. Like I said, the Giants do this with Buster Posey. Posey plays some first base and he catches most of the time. But to give him a day off, he goes to first base. He handles it fine. If you get, you know, it depends on the mentality of the player. If well, can, you go can, I, can off, I ask something in there? I, I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, but. Do the Giants and I, I'm not asking. Um, I'm, a, I'm asking actually because I don't know. Do the Giants do it because um, they're trying to work in another catcher, or are they trying to do it so they can get Posey in the lineup every day? And catchers need breaks, so it's it's, it's a way it's to both. keep his they, bat in. Yeah, it's both because they have this kid Andrew Susak, who is very good. He can hit, and he's a good catcher. So with Posey, who's an MVP, it's like you know what we give you know because eventually Buster's going to move from behind the plate and go to first base. But also the Giants have Brandon Belt, who's an excellent power hitter too. So it's they move guys around because they know the Giants have a great formula. But did but, they do that early in his career, though? I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm just saying that if, if there's a well, no, shot that have, you're not going to get a great Darno because they, of... Because, no, because they didn't do that in his early in his career because they didn't have somebody like a Susak who can, you know, not, not miss a beat behind the plate. See, they, that's how you do it. And that's why I'm saying, I'm not saying move Darno. I, you could put him some, I mean, Yogi Barra played left field, some, you know, towards, you know, he, they, they moved him with Elston Howard. Elston, you know, it can be done. This is not brain surgery. It's the mentality of the player. Todd Hundley, when they moved him out there, was pissed off because Mike Piazza was here. So he didn't want to do it. And it showed in his play. Daniel Murphy tried his best to play left field. Just couldn't adapt to it. Lucas Duda tried everything in the world to play. Just couldn't do it. If, if, Darno, if you go to Darno and say, listen, we're not talking about 15, maybe in 16, because you see what we have with Kevin. We have a good, you know, maybe we can move you guys. And the thing that you got to remember, too, is that Darno and Paul Lickie are best friends. And Paul Lickie was the guy 
when they told him when they uh, Darno was the guy when when they said that they were calling up Palicki, he was the first guy to call Palicki. Told him, "Listen, meet me here. I'll pick you up at the airport. We're going to go for lunch. I'm going to go over everything with you about these pictures. We're going to do all that." These guys are, you know, to, and if you said to both of them, "Listen, to get both you guys playing time, one guy might play the outfield one day and then catch." I'm telling you, these two guys will buy into it because they, they, they want to be together. It's just something. You know, if, if you look into their relationship, these guys, their families. These guys are close. They're close, and I'm just saying, you know, you got to try something. You're not scoring runs. You have the second to worst team run scored in baseball. Only the White Sox have scored less runs than the Mets. You need to try something. We Michael Kadaya is not the answer. Michael well, Kadaya made more runs. So you I mean, got to try get some, the points you're making. I mean, I know I I agree with you. We have to try something. I just wonder. I understand. The the advantage you're also trying that you're ex- explaining as well, but I don't don't see how that correlates to extra offense because Palicki is not very good right now. Just over the next three months, like the he doesn't project. I mean, honestly, if you're going to project players out, Kadir probably has a better shot of being good over the next three months than Palicki. I, I don't Palicki has I, no I track don't how, you, how do you see that? The guy has been hitting for it. It's, it's always last, possible. You know, weeks, he's starting to get comfortable at the plate and he's been hitting. But he's, I mean, he's, he's never hit for power in his life. I mean. I mean, Kadire did win a batting title a couple of years out. ago. It's, it's possible. You know what I'm asking for? I'm asking for a guy to come up there with men on base with two outs and just get a single. That's all I'm asking for. All right, well, Steve, uh, I'm not Steve, asking so, for a home run. So, so if you're going to ask for that, if you're going to ask for that, the last 28 days, mm-hmm. 58 plate appearances, Ploiecki has two RBIs. So that's your run producer. Well, nobody's well, on to produce. I mean, I mean, Gene, what, what did you have? Unless you hit a home run. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't like a team that has bases loaded all the time and we're just not getting a key hit. We have nobody on base. And, if, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of torn here because I see both sides. But with the Pueki thing, I mean, if we held Darno to hit that standard of the 50 games, remember, we were ready to get rid of that kid. He was horrible at the plate. Speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, one guy here was a Darno supporter for the whole time. Duda, Duda should be playing all three positions. <laughs> but in the minor leagues, he did hit. I mean, it's not – the guy is not Anthony Recker, who actually did hit two for power. I wouldn't mind having his ass on the bench as a third catcher, and that's it. And then come up because okay. Mayberry is not the guy. There's no, no way in the Mayberry. world that – Mayberry's so, terrible. I mean, that's Mayberry. the good thing about this team. If you can hit your weight, you're going to make it. I mean, yeah. and, and some of these guys aren't hitting their weight, but I do like the way he catches. I do, in large part because, of, and this is going to sound, but you don't see him being shaken off. He's calling the no. game, and the game just yeah, goes that's solid. That's what I'm saying. This guy behind the plate, these guys are so comfortable with this guy. You don't see any shake off. You don't see. You don't see you don't see guys standing. He can there. barely stand up, and he's catching with an ear infection. You, and I'm not you, again. I'm not you know, ready to anoint him the best player. But you see, you'll see a pitcher just stare at the catcher. Meaning, you better come out here because I don't know what the hell you want. You don't see that with him. And I'm just I like what I see, and I want to try to get this kid in the lineup as much as I can when Darnell comes back. It's I think it's just a plus because I'm I'm pretty sure they're not going to go out and get anybody. I'm I'm resigned to the fact that. 
the team you see now is what you're going to have. I don't see where they're going to if they're going to go out and get anybody. All right, I have visions of a of an equine on its back, feet up in the air, <laughs> totally dead. We can stop beating it. <laughs> hey, 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 gents! I love you guys. I actually have to jump. I, my band practice starts in ten minutes, and I got to get out of here. But I want to say, great show, no animosity. Go Pluecki. Love all you. I'll talk to you after the All Star break. Give me a hug, Skinner. Hug it out, baby. <laughs> all right, gents. I'll talk to you. See you, Dave. Yeah, we got about ten, ten more minutes ourselves here to kind of wrap up, and. and I mean, yeah, I, I guess we can – we could theoretically just continue to, to debate if our 260-hitting catcher should get in the lineup more. But, I mean, realistically, realistically, these are small small moves that are kind of fun to debate. But, man, I, I, I can't get my eyes off Upton because this is, this is that moment. You know what I mean? Like, this is, this is the time where – that guy, and I'm not calling him Piazza necessarily, but he, at the very least, he's Clendenin. I mean, he's that guy that could actually make a difference. He can make the difference between a title this year and not making the playoffs because the pitching is that good. I mean, am I missing somebody else out there? Is there, you know, Gene, let me, let me start with you uh, for, for a second here. Is there anybody else that they could get that would get you as excited as Upton that you feel is actually um, – plausible because obviously we are all assuming ownership is not willing to spend any money whatsoever. So is Upton the only option or am I missing somebody here? I'm not a fan of him. I'm really not. He ends up with fairly good numbers, but he strikes out so much Mm -hmm. and he's going to come with his brother. It always happens. And (laughs) you know, Nick, I know what you're saying, and it's basically like you want a bike so bad that you'll take the uh, a standard bike, and you're this is the best bike I've ever seen. And there's there are guys, I think everybody's available, but you know everybody is available if the move can be made. Now I don't want a cart. You're not going to get Posey from the Giants. You're not going to get um, Goldsmith. You're not going to get these guys. But, but the the other guys can be had. Cincinnati is floating some guys. Yeah. I think I think Milwaukee. I take Gomez and his attitude. I really would just to over Upton. The, I would have him over Upton to tell you the truth, because hmm. he can he can run, he can play a hell of an outfield. He'll be a little disruptive, but Harvey would put him in a chokehold. Um, yeah. And I think he's matured a lot. But how would he react you to know, that to being dominated by Harvey? I mean, would he be standoffish with with Harvey? Like, in other words, is he the kind of guy? Because the pitching staff is going to run this team, no matter what. So, I mean, do you yeah, think he, he can be himself? He, he, yeah, he'll he'll be the best offensive player on the team. You put you put Gomez on this team, he's the best offensive player on that team. I, I, it, it, unless you guys want to debate, so you say, look, go out there and do what you do. We're not going to we'll never ask you to pitch, but hit and play defense. He's not going to be the best defender on the field, but he'll be the best hitter on this team. And I think something like that, that there are a number of guys that are, you know, it's just, I think we, the Mets have so much pitching that teams want to pilfer, but you, there's guys, Robles, this guy Robles, he looks phenomenal to me. And he's going to, he's down in the minor leagues now. They have 
on their roster right now at the major league level three guys with very good closing experience, the least of which would be Parnell, but he was a closer, Mejia and Familia. They're set. I mean, if you want to trade Parnell, if you want to trade a guy that's a closer to another team, I mean, Toronto needs a closer. The Cubs need a closer. Now, you can't trade Mejia because he's not going to be able to play in the playoffs, but you have a lot to trade. Well, I think you probably need to keep the pen. God forbid we make the playoffs, you know. <laughs> right. He is going to be gone. And Parnell, but if you traded Parnell, if you right traded now. Parnell and we brought up Robles, 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 mm-hmm. sorry, I, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be upset. I think Parnell, the league is going to figure Parnell out. I, I'm very happy with the way he's pitching right now. He's a little bit more crafty, but he's got a lot of Mike Pelfrey in him where he's got a, this golden arm that just has never done it. And, you know, you can call me wrong if you want, but Parnell is going to get figured out. Well, unless, unless he gets his velocity back, you know, which could also happen. I mean, it's um, you never know when these things kind of uh, well, write themselves the, a bit. Was, yeah, but he was the guy, Nick, with the 99-mile-an-hour fastball that was as straight as an arrow. He couldn't throw it past the guy. He could not put a guy away with a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Now we're seeing with our starters with a 97, 98-mile-an-hour fastball will do consistently. So, well, yeah, it's with breaking, I mean, breaking pitches and, and hitting spots. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and he wound up going to the breaking pitch as an out pitch, but he could not throw fastballs con- consistently by anybody because it was straight as an arrow. It, it was the straightest fastball you ever saw. But I will say this, though. Th- that being said, um, the fact that he can compete now without the fastball is probably showing yeah. you that he's learned something about pitching. And, I mean, he was better. I mean, I wasn't in love with him as a closer, but he was better w- when he went down. Um, and yeah. by him, by seeing that he can pitch, he's not like Kyle Farnsworth. I mean, he's he's able to kind of get by here. So that must mean that he he adapted beyond that a little bit. I mean, I and he's throwing okay. ninety three. Not like he's mm-hmm. um, Trevor Hoffman that can't you know break ninety, but right. he's. I mean, but it's it's it's. I think the league is going to figure him out. He's 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 my he's my little bit of a concern. But I mean, it's <laughs> compared to the offense, it's not even a, a valid concern at all. Um, I'm, I I got a question to, to throw at you guys. Has the Mejia thing been a little weird the way they treated him and not getting at least getting him into a game in some situation and he's been available? Yeah, uh, I, I didn't it, understand the the last couple of games he's gotten up yeah. and was throwing like he was going to come in, and then they sit him down and bring in somebody else. It's like are they punishing the guy? <laughs> you know, it's like uh-huh. you know, I, I I don't understand that either. I mean, I think the fact is that I think that that uh, Collins knows how important these last three games are for the All-Star break, and he wants to go out on a winning note. Maybe we'll see Mejia today at some point. But I just think that he feels more comfortable when it got, especially, you know, Harvey got through the seven, when you get and, and go to Parnell and then go to uh, Familia. And I just think that he was more comfortable like that. But he it's hates one of the Mejia, things that doesn't he? Yeah, but, you know, it's not that he, I don't know if he hates the guy, but well, look at the it's one of the things though. that drives well, one of the things that drives me crazy with mm. with with him with uh, with with Collins is he'll they'll do that they'll have guys get up in the bullpen and throw and throw and throw and then all of a sudden it's like all right sit down <laughs> I, you know those pitches that those that, those throws add up I mean you know he he 
he did that. He he used to do that all the time to um, the lefty uh, Burdak. Yeah. He would get tell him, you know, okay, get up and, and throw. We're gonna bring you in, and then like you know, Burdak's all warmed up, ready to go, and be like, all right, sit down. We don't need you. It's like and you if know, you do that a number of again, times. Bro. Yeah, and if you do that a number of times, sooner or later they're gonna call him in, and he's gonna go, I'm not ready. Like I'm so used to warming up and sitting down, and. Yeah. I'm wondering, like Mejia, it's been a little strange that they've gotten him up and, they, and he's at home, and it would be a home crowd, and it just they just didn't find a way to get him in. Yeah, it was strange. I thought so too. I thought it was you know, like, though, you know, why are you making get up and you're not putting him in? If you go to the off season, though, um, previous off season, I mean, he when Mejia was our closer, <laughs> and he again he was decent at it last year. Not great, but he was decent. Um, Collins was ready not ready to, he actually said Parnell would be the closer. And Parnell hadn't thrown a pitch in a year. <laughs> and we see what Parnell is in July of this year. He's not even – he's a kind of a shell of himself. So he, even as Mejia was healthy and the closer, he wanted to kick him out of that role. So, I and, thought so, he was better than good. I thought he was really good. Yeah, he was de- decent. And the point is, though, like uh, Collins, before any of this, this – um, the drug issue happened. He was already he was searching for ways to not have Mejia have a have an important role in this team. So it's when Mejia comes back. Mejia's only been gone for a couple of months now, and it's clear Parnell is not the guy that he was when he left right now. And his Collins' excuse for not getting Mejia in was, well, you know, we were in a tight spot, and and Parnell's our eighth inning guy. I mean, what? <laughs> well, then Some that, of the guys have roles goes- now. Yeah, maybe that goes then that Gomez will never be on this team because Mejia was the only guy with real on-field emotion, uh, shooting mm-hmm. arrows and stuff and doing things. And um, I think Mejia is a great pitcher. I, I don't. He's and and this is the funny thing: the starting pitching is so good. The guy that gets left out of almost all discussions is familiar. This guy is yeah. he, El Caballo. This guy comes in. He's a he's a warrior. This guy. Yeah, he he's an animal. I, I that is just I mean, such a two winning saves. I mean, he's coming in. I mean, he and there he's he's had one game where he wasn't knock your socks off. Yeah, you know, I I don't know when the last time we actually had a closer that didn't uh, make you shit your pants. I mean, really, this <laughs> he's locked down definite practically every single time. And I mean, I know. I mean, maybe the very first year Benitez was here before he started <laughs> showing us what he could do in the playoffs and, and kind of changed well, the Billy ball. Wagner, Billy Wagner, too, was yeah. pretty damn good. He was he Wagner was slammed the door shut, you know. But but even going back to Orozco and McDowell, those guys made you, you know, John Franco, for Christ for Christ's sakes, as Keith and Andrews would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> did you guys catch that yesterday? It was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you swear he said the f bomb. He got so nervous, <laughs> like I'm gonna lose this job too. Um, but you know, when 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 Familia comes in, he, the only guy that I think about, and I hate to say this, is Mariano Rivera because he he's got so much movement on his pitches that starts straight, and it. I mean, I think it's and, he, and the quick pitch that he that he learned is unbelievable. You know. Um... With as great as the pen actually has been lately, I have one issue here, and then we got we have to wrap up 
uh, very shortly here. Um, that hat, that hat has got to go. The hat has got to go, or, go, or the player has got to go. I can't, I can't look at it. it it's killing my will to live. It is, it's going beyond baseball. I, it's, I, I, I just literally can. I have to shut the game off. Is, is that hat torturing either one of you guys? Is it or is it just me? It's, re, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it's protective. It's not like it's a... Who cares? <laughs> I, that, that brain, whatever the hell's in that hat is not really worth protecting anyway. But, but forget, about, forget about that. <laughs> All right. I, it'll knock some sense into him. But, but my God, like, you know, a batting helmet's better. It, it's ridiculous. And I don't see anyone else in baseball using it except this guy. Am I wrong? I mean, is, are other people using this hat? Or is it just him? No. He's, it's ridiculous. Imagine what it's like to hit against it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if you're laughing, you know, it's like hard like, to hold the bat. It's a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is it? What is in there? Is, is it like a brick? Uh, it looks like a cake. Steve, what do you think? Did we really see? Steve. Steve. Yes, Steve. I'm back. Hey, what do you think <laughs> about the what do you think about the kazoo hat on Torres? <laughs> I think I've seen enough of him in that hat. <laughs> I, I think I've seen enough of that. You know, I was uh, you know when they they brought, they sent down Verrett and kept him. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? What? That made no sense. And even Ron Darling went off on that, saying it made no sense and. Even the guys on the radio, they no nobody understands why they made this move. The only the only explanation was because Verrett had an option. What does that mean? The guy's pitching great. Don't you just keep your best players? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen him. Well, he's the only lefty though. Yeah, the well, Gil Martin is there. The hat though. Gil, the Gil hat's Martin got is, to go. Yeah. Yeah, Gil Martin is here, guy, and the hat's got to go, man. I lefty righty. Yeah, it's like a he's like a space alien. It, it is it's so distracting. It's a it's like a birthday know, cake on top of his head. It's awful. I mean, I don't know what the other players think when they see him come in. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's like you know this guy's gonna get me out wearing the you know toilet seat on on his head. <laughs> It's like come on. Yeah, but that's the light pole. <laughs> you know, brim, brim to bend. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you know, he has one for every cap. It's like it's like it's, yeah. it's like a collection of these things. Like, I know. I mean, I don't know. This. I asked Gene when you were here. Is anybody else in getting hit in the head? Are so rare, uh, <laughs> but. But does anybody else in baseball wear that thing, or is it just him? No, it's, it's just no. him. Get rid of him. No. Get rid of him it's, and his stupid hat. Really? Who that, needs it? Why are we the team that tries the hat? Remember they put the hat on light that looked like a, yeah. a bowl <laughs> ball? Yeah. That like, yeah. Yeah. It looked like a big salad bowl on his head. <laughs> <laughs> they put that on. <laughs> and now this guy, you know, I, I noticed this guy, he saw, when he was with Tampa, he saw a pitcher get hit in the head and it freaked him out. But, you know, that tells me that you, I mean, I don't know. Nobody else wears it. It's like you're the only guy. Oh yeah, my God. there was a there was 24 other guys that saw that guy get hit too, and nobody's wearing it. Um, yeah, you know what'd be funny? Actually, we we take the two med experiments and combine them, right? You take the birthday hat hat 
you know, or the toilet. I like the toilet seat hat better, that, that term. And then put it on Jose Reyes and then have him do that fancy run that they made him do. Remember that gig horse gallop? <laughs> 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 And the uniform, the uniform could be the Mercury Mets. <laughs> yeah, the Mer- yeah. There you go. The Mercury Mets. Remember that? And then, that and, then the, and, and that and that that figure that's scampering around the field is doing it while every while the fans are sleeping on the field. And boys to men <laughs> <Yeah>. is playing. <laughs> boys and and laughing right. Miller just boys giving everybody a high five down the line. <laughs> oh God, help us all. Um... All right, gentlemen. Listen, um, got to wrap this baby up, but uh, it's been it's been fun. I mean, at least look, at least we have something to laugh about. Um, it really, <laughs> I, I guess we're gonna have to kind of get used to this until the commissioner's office does something for us. Um, yeah, listen, it's know, gonna be very interesting second half. I mean, who knows? We could make the playoffs. Yep, we could make. And they did it in the playoffs. This team matches up against any oh, other team. I mean, yeah. pitching wise, it can you can win one nothing in the playoffs, but it's it's yeah. it's a long season. Although, although let me tell you something: if they go to seven games, let's say in a, in a in a series, well, I guess what is it? Five games in the in the first one. If they they don't have to do the plan, well, let's say let's say this series start going the max. Can you imagine a World Series where? Dylan G is pitching and John Neese is pitching because <laughs> because everyone's hitting their innings limits. And being yeah, they hit their innings limits. <laughs> yeah, it's, game, it's game seven of the World Series. And it's like it's like all the his, his innings his innings uh, limit. You know, he's, we're gonna you know, we're, we're gonna put all of Perez instead for this game. <laughs> no, no, you have you have the Grom pitch the first because you got a six man rotation. So you have the Grom pitch the first. You have Harvey pitch the second. Wheeler will be back by then. You have Wheeler pitch the seventh. <laughs> he closed yeah. the eight. Well, the eighth is Parnell, so we're good there. Um, <laughs> well, can you see like Terry Collins going to the umpire and saying, "Listen, we forfeit the game. We 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 can't pitch anybody. They reached their limit. We're done." <laughs> Thanks for coming. See you, St. Lucie. Michael Fulmer is 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 pitching the uh, <laughs> playing game for the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, if, it, if it if it's a Disney production, it'll be Dylan G pitching the perfect game coming back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one all star. <laughs> team has this team has one all star, and I couldn't be happier just to have one. I hate the all star game for pitchers especially. I hate the 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 home run hitting contest. Let them all go out there and wear themselves the fuck out. Come back and go to second half. No, I give I give a lot of credit to the Nationals. They make, they're going to let Scherzer pitch today, and they said no, he's pitching today. This is more important than this All Star game, and the fact yeah. that the All Star game is going to determine home field for the World Series is just unbelievably stupid. Uh, and but it's so stupid it, it makes sense for baseball because when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to stupid man, that's the <laughs> they know how to do it. <laughs> uh. God, it's 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 really hard to believe, isn't it? You know, with the amount of money that's in that sport, how it could actually be run like this. It, it's just, um, it's nuts. And I've, I've really come to the conclusion, and this is obviously complete speculation, but, you know, as far as, like, when people used to, to kind of joke around, well, what, what do the Wilpons have on Selig? You know, what kind of dirty photos do they have to allow this to continue? I mean, my, you know, they've been involved in two schemes over time, and I'm just thinking, thinking that, like, that, might not be that far off. Not that there's a photo, but rather, 
what did MLB know and what does it open up? You know what I mean? And that's maybe one of the reasons why they're just not pursuing this because it, it gets to the point where it doesn't make any sense. It, it really, I mean, I understand that it's like a slap in the face of the fans to give Fred Wilpon um, that particular job. It's even, even if it's, he's not really in charge of anything, it's just for a PR perspective, it's ludicrous to, to do it. But, you know, there's just there's no reason to keep this ownership here or not put pressure on them to, to take on a partner or something if there's not something <clears throat> deeper going on. So I have a feeling there'll be some fun drama at some point because some reporter, somebody's going to dig something up and try to figure out know, why this is allowed to continue. Yeah, I, I would I would think some of that too, but they just don't do that. I don't think it's so much that it's the Wilpons. Major League Baseball just doesn't get involved. Except how? On a regular they, basis. They did it for the Dodgers, though. I, and you can say, well, he's putting money into his pocket, but like, so is so is Fred. I mean, he's literally taking money from the team and putting it in his pocket. He's paying off debts, but whose debts are they? It's their debts. Yeah. I think that's what they use as justification why baseball does nothing about it, because when you look at what McCourt was doing, him and his wife, they were just taking profits and just buying all kinds of houses and, yeah. and cars and yeah. stuff like that. He's taking this money that he gets, and he's paying off debt on his team. And I guess at some point, if that debt ever gets paid off, then the money would go back into the team. Well, but, it's, uh, it's on real that's estate. That's going to be another 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> he, he chose, you know, they didn't need a new stadium. He chose to build it because he wanted it, I just know. him. Alone, you know, so that so it know, is a vanity. One, one other thing, thing on, on that, you know, we talk about that because you know, the way they've they've treated the, the legacy of Nelson Doubleday is disgraceful. Yeah. There should be a patch on every uniform with with Doubleday's mm-hmm. initials on it, because he was an owner. He was the owner of the Mets until he got flimflammed by Wilpon. And I know that they hated each other, but you know, you know, sometimes you got to rise above that petty horseshit, and you know. I mean, the Yankees did a better job of honoring Nelson Doubleday at, at their game. I mean, they had a moment yeah. of silence. But, you know, there should, be, there should be a patch on the uniform, and there should be something out on the outfield with his initials on it. And for them not to do it, just show, it just proves what the fans all think of the Wilpons, how they're so petty and they're thin-skinned. And for them not to do that, because Doubleday was the one who said, there's no reason to get, leave Shea Stadium. We can renovate the place. We have plenty of space here. We can renovate it. We can take it, you know, the the insides out and rebuild this and make it into a state of the art ballpark. But Fred was dead again. He wanted Ebbets Field, and what? when I've mentioned that, when I've mentioned that to some of these executives that are there, they get highly pissed off when I bring that up because I said, look, Fred always wanted Ebbets Field. Now you got Ebbets Field, and it, it just drives them crazy when I say that because there's nothing they can do to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, they, they they did they had somewhat of a moment of silence for Nelson Doubleday. You, you know what they did, right? They they, they, they lowered for four straight games. <laughs> <laughs> no, they lowered the volume on the uh, the wise potato chip game to <laughs> two two clicks, two clicks. It went they from a, twelve to ten. That's they right. Put a, a, they put a black cover on top of Cuppy. The, uh, the Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> and, and when you had to try to find Cuppy, he was wearing a little black uh, coffee lid. Well, I think, <laughs> I think they, they must have some really um, brainwashing techniques because you remember when 
when uh, Jay was on the show, Jay Horowitz, and he was just getting pissed off with, you know, questions about, you know, what was his famous phrase, wait and see or something, and he was getting animated about it. So, he, you know, there must be some whole uh, brainwashing techniques that go on with the Wolpons. There must be something because I haven't been invited to a bloggers night this year. So not for this guy. <laughs> not for this guy. He has, he has too many. Qu- he's he's looking under the furniture. He's you know he's looking to see where the dust is and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't they didn't care too much for, for some of my. Qu- and I told him, you know, and and I tell I I told the, somebody who's up up there in the and I said listen I don't give a shit if you get mad at me or not I said I was a Mets fan before you even knew what the Mets were and I said and you know you'll be out of a job here someday and I'll still be a Mets fan so I could care less and when they hear stuff like that that bothers them they don't want to hear, you know they, <laughs> so what does the wrong say <laughs> uh, on that note guys. Well, you know the old saying, wouldn't say shit with a mouthful, so I'll leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Well, look, (laughs) we're only two games out. It's it, baby. Our triple A lineup. Got the teamwork to make the dream work. That's right. We're going to dominate with a triple A lineup. Watch us. (laughs) Go 51. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> For the CranepoolSociety.com, KindersCorner.com, Dave Singer on Twitter, and all our fine feathered friends, thank you on behalf of the Cult of Mets Personalities. You can see us every week or two on Blog Talk Radio and on KindersCorner.com. Have a great week, everybody. Let's go, let's go.